Welcome to the Situation Report for May 17, 2023. It's Lieutenant Colonel Murray. The situation in Ukraine has changed drastically just in the last three days. There's at least four different versions of, of intel that's floating around, but I'll suffice it to say that the the news story is, is um, well, it's, it's come out a couple of different places, but the, suffice it to say that there's news coming out that there's Europeans that are feeding information to Russia on strategic targets within Ukraine because the cooler heads or calmer heads, however you want to call it, are prevailing in that they don't want a direct confrontation with Russia and they don't want a prolonged conflict. So the the word is, is that people within NATO, people within the European countries are leaking information on strategic targets and Russia's capitalized on it and they hit four or five ammo dumps over the weekend. Why it's significant is for for two real big reasons. The first one is it took a long time to get all those logistics in country and to get those stockpiles built up and they were building up for a summer summer offensive, a counteroffensive actually. And that's now officially on hold. And at the same time, taking out those strategic targets sets back the clock another six months, gives Russia time to mount an offensive, which they're going to do. Weather permitting, they will do fairly quickly. And once the, once the dry season starts, it's game on. Once that kicks off, you're going to have a million Russian troops crossing the border and moving across the country. And there won't be anything to stop them because there's not going to be the munitions or the armor or equipment. Now, there's a rumor, and of course, both sides are are talking both ways, putting out propaganda, but the prevailing story right now is that Russia was able to take out some Patriot missile batteries with hypersonic missiles and that the Patriot missiles were ineffective against hypersonic. We knew that. We did know that. It's not a new thing. But suffice it to say that now it's going to be official whether or not the Patriots were effective in the first place. If you know anything about deployment of Patriots, they deploy them in footprints of three or four in a in a very specific area, and they're they're all work together with uh, whatever radar system they're using or whatever acquisition system they're using. This will have prolonged effects not just here, but across Europe, because that it's literally been touted as the system for air defense. At the same time, they were taking out ammo dumps. The Russians were also hitting air defense systems which basically, once you control the skies, you, you move around with impunity, guess what? You start taking out strategic targets with jets and you can drop bigger ordnance. One of the things we learned from World War II is that when you dominate the air, air, air dominance is what we call it. When you have air dominance or air supremacy, his troops don't have a chance to move. And the Russians are probably moving towards air supremacy once they get that. 
then it's just a matter of time. Then it's a land grab. I'm waiting for that land grab to start to start because once it does, then it'll be it'll be a land grab to the finish. And there won't be anything that not only NATO but the US can do about it. That's massively significant because once the land grab starts, there's nothing to stop them except U.S. forces. And that's really the question on the table anyway, is are we going to be stupid enough to backstop the Ukrainians with American forces? Europe has already... Europe has already said in a number of different ways that they do not want a conflict, direct conflict with Russia. Doesn't benefit anybody in Europe, doesn't benefit anybody here. But depends on how how stupid or how desperate the regime is. I will tell you the regime is desperate enough to go head to head, but I'm hoping that calmer heads will prevail. Because the the bigger question is, do they realize that they've created the perfect storm? They've created the perfect storm here. They've created the perfect storm in Israel. And they've created the same thing in our economy. And they've done it all under the guise of protecting Ukraine. Sorry, it's been a long day. What it's really about, though, it's really about protecting the secrets that they have hidden in Ukraine. And they have a lot of them in Ukraine. Ukraine is a linchpin for the entire regime. It's the linchpin for all, if not every, secret that they've been hiding. Because they're doing all the activities that we've talked about for years and years and years. They're doing it in Ukraine. And they've been doing it in Ukraine for years. It's just now it's going to come to the surface. It's not going to bubble to the surface. It's going to literally blow to the surface. And there won't be a damn thing they can do about it once it starts coming out. And then you'll see a bunch of other things happen all around the same time. One of which is there'll be, and this goes back to what I was saying about disclosures. There'll be a number of disclosures about human trafficking, child trafficking, bio-research, chemical research, as well as if this Nazi thing is true, then you'll start seeing proof of that. Not in the form of pictures, but in documentation. There will be some audit trail. Regardless of how it comes out, that's what they're deathly afraid of. That's why they've accelerated their timelines. That's why they're trying to accelerate their timelines even further. And I hate to say it, folks, but they've already lost the battle. They've already lost the war. I'm starting to see propaganda now being pushed into the mainstream about Obama's upset because he doesn't have control of the the three-letter um, news outlets through the three-letter agencies. That's a very significant shift in propaganda because it, sh it's, it shows in a very uh, succinct manner that they're already starting to, to swing 
the narrative so that they can spin it so that they can say that the news agencies didn't have a choice. They had to play along because they were being directed by the White House, specifically by the Obama White House. They're trying to plausibly deny that they knew anything, that they were a part of anything, et cetera, et cetera. It's not going to work because we all know the truth. The truth is the news media was complicit from the word go. The news media is going to be complicit complicit no matter what because now they're just talking heads there's no there's no journalists left in the mainstream media but the other thing to remember is once ukraine falls then the u.s falls with it and how long that takes what that looks like who knows but it's coming and more importantly you're going to see this debt ceiling thing is going to be a drama for like a week or two and then they'll come to some deal. But the die is already cast. And I say that because there's a lot of rumors floating around right now. Not just in alternative media, but there's there's a lot of rumors floating around on Substack. There's conversations on Substack about Russia and China and a lot of the other BRICS nations selling off treasury bills, T-bills and destroying the U.S. economy that way. So if you follow Tom Luongo, they're trying to repatriate offshore dollars to prop up the, the value of the dollar. What they don't tell you, what Luongo doesn't talk about, is FASB 56. And Catherine uh, Austin Fitz talks about FASB 56. She talks about it at length in several videos. And essentially what the deal is, is that they take U.S. treasuries, and that's the debt they sell to other countries, and they hold that debt and they get repaid over time. They're taking money out of the back end, pushing it into the front end, taking money out of the front end, and pushing it in the back end to keep the economy going. They've been doing it for years. And under FASB 56, there's two sets of books. There's the black books, which are in the deep, dark secrets, you know, the stuff they're really spending. And then there's the books they show the public for transparency. And essentially, her premise is that they've been taking money out of the back end and the front end at the same time and putting money in the back end and the front end at the same time through money laundering activities. And the fact that there's the Silicon Bank and... Uh, First Republic, et cetera, were taken over by the Fed. It's, it's basically shutting down the money laundering system, shutting down the ability for them to go to crypto and shutting down the ability for the money laundering through other countries. And there's a lot of different scenarios that go along with that. But the one that I want to zero in on is if China and Russia call a, call a, call a marker and they sell off U.S. sovereign debt. They only have to sell a small amount for it to have a massive impact on our on our economy, and they know that. And that could be the trump card they're playing right now to not only drive war to closure, but to drive the situation on the ground in Ukraine. Either way, it's checkmate because you're having countries in Europe right now telling Zelensky to sue for peace 
because they're going to stop supporting Ukraine. And there was an article that came out in Zero Hedge today that, that talked about how supplies could dry up within the next couple of months. I think it's going to be sooner than that. I think those strategic ammo dumps were the were the key targets to grind the entire Ukrainian army to a halt. And they've already suffered massive casualties. And Zelensky has said openly that if they take Bakhmut and Bakhmut falls, so does Ukraine. And I completely agree with that. They've thrown so much into that battle that they can't possibly give it up. It's an existential, it's an existential crisis for them. But there's really the reality is there's nothing to stop them between Bakhmut and and Kiev, and he knows it. And now that they're hitting targets in Odessa and other places, that's significant because Odessa is a it's an ancient city. It's ancient for the Russians. It's ancient for Ukrainians. It's ancient for the entire region. And you're it's it's literally like destroying Jerusalem for that part of the world. So. For them to be bombing Odessa means that they're strategic targets that they have to take out in order to keep not only the Ukrainians on their heels, but to keep NATO on their heels. But the fact that NATO countries are supplying intelligence to the Russians and they're they're encouraging Zelensky to sue for peace. And now and it was announced today that they're actually going to be doing peace talks in, in South Africa. That's very significant because it means that Zelensky's days are numbered. And I think the guy's going to end up as a pink mist anyway by his own people because he's 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 run his country into the ground and he's done it at the behest of the elite in in uh Europe. Now there's an interesting video floating around that most of the cabinet that Joe Biden has put in place and all the replacements that Joe Biden's put into key positions that have resigned are all Jews. They're all dual citizenship, Israeli, U.S. That's a very significant and interesting prospect when you look at it. It means that the, the whole anti-Israel thing was really just controlled opposition. If If this turns out to be true, which is starting to come out more and more. I'm starting to see more and more of it. But like everything else, once it comes out, you have to see if it's actually going to develop into something or if it's more BS like we've seen before, which there seems to be a preponderance of BS coming out. But it wouldn't surprise me if Israel wasn't heavily involved in the in the Biden regime. But it doesn't explain the policy towards Israel and the hatred of Israel or any of the, the moves that the, the regime has made. And I say that because you would think that if Israel had that many people in Biden's cabinet that were tied to Israel or Mossad, that they would be they would be doing more to provide weapons, equipment, and especially missiles to Israel right now. They're not doing that. In fact, the entire defense industry is on its ass right now trying to figure out how to produce enough to to save Ukraine, which you can't do anyway. And the money's not there either. So all of this, all of this reaches a culmination point. All of this is heading towards a culmination point. 
I still think June, July, specifically July, but it could be pushed back to August, September, depending on how things develop over the next couple of weeks. I'll tell you this, nothing's going to happen before June 1st, before the debt ceiling timer expires. Be a bunch of drama until June 1st, and then you'll start to see things deteriorate rapidly after that. Now, it's interesting that the bankers in New York, the key banks want to meet with Chuck Schumer to talk debt ceiling. Because I, to be perfectly honest, I think Luongo was fucking spot on. I think when he was talking about the Fed and Jerome Powell being at war with the Treasury, I think the bankers have a strategy to cripple the, the Bank of International Settlements, the IMF, and the World Bank, and they're on a path to do it, and they're going to tell Schumer to get on board with it. That's that's how I think that conversation is going to go. I don't think they're going to go plead with Schumer to do the right thing. I think they're done with him, and I think they're going to tell him to do what he's what he's told to do or he'll be removed from office. I think we're that far down the road. And I think that the next Trump card that will be played will be the Russians and Chinese plus BRICS countries selling off sovereign debt. But that brings up an interesting dilemma because still most of the most of the trades, most of the currency exchanges that are done on the world stage, over 80% still are in US dollars. So even though BRICS is, is on the board, it still hasn't surpassed the U.S. dollar, and the yuan hasn't passed the U.S. dollar as the most accepted currency. It's still the U.S. dollar. So there has to be significant changes and technology deployed for that to happen. I don't see it happening. I think, I, I also think Luongo's right because the back-end technology is just not there at the Fed level and hasn't there's been hasn't been a deep investment in it to be able to do not only the digital currency or in the distributive ledger. And here's the thing about distributed ledger. It's been we've it's been talked about now for almost 10 years. And Back in 2018, 2019, um, I was interviewing with companies that were doing crypto, and I asked one very simple question. Can somebody explain to me how blockchain really works? And the answer was no, because it still hadn't been developed. It was a lot of theory of how it was supposed to work, but it was never really, it wasn't really operational. And it's a whole different story to write stuff down and say, this is how it should work, and then actually operationalize it. It's a very hard proposition. And when you're talking about massive transactions concurrently across the planet, get away from just this country, but this country alone, the concurrent transactions every second across the nation is in the billions. You have to have a system that can scale, that can process that much information, can process that many transactions, not have any data loss, not have any transmission loss, not have any write or read errors, not have any storage issues. And then what do you do about the, the, the wallets? One of the, one of the Achilles heels 
of crypto wallets. He said it's on whatever phone you're on. If you lose your password, you're screwed. So you have to do something about the wallet. Then you have to back the currency with something and then match the currency and the value of the currency with whatever you're backing it, whether it's physical gold, whether it's gold and silver, whether it's a conglomeration of assets. The point is it has to be backed by something because BRICS is backed by gold. You can't just go with a fiat currency. Nobody's going to accept it because it's not backed by anything. So there's a lot of technical issues they have to overcome. And I know a lot of smart people that are in the cloud business. And there's a lot of smart guys. There's a, smart, a lot of smart men and women at companies like Amazon and, and Oracle Cloud and Microsoft that have been working for years to solve a lot of these problems. But even with 10, 15 years in the cloud, you're talking about at scale that even though they have the data centers and they may have the equipment in the data centers, you're talking about a system that has to work 24-7 all the time with zero, zero disruptions. That's why there was always an air gap in the banking system because it gave the banks time to validate whether what they were receiving was real and there's checks and balances in there. You can't just turn on a cryptocurrency and expect it. And that's Bitcoin's Achilles heel. You can't scale it. It's not built for a world population. It's not built for a country. It's a very finite size with a very finite processing capability. Now, Bitcoin you know, broke the glass window, but you have people in the administration here that are anti-crypto. Then you have people in the Fed that are fighting with the Treasury it stands to it stands to reason that there's going to be conflict and that's not going to get rolled out in time. All those factors put together create a very complex problem. And I don't think they've solved it. And I can tell you what it took just to do just to do virtual instances with millions of concurrent transactions, how many people it took and how many data centers it took just to do that with redundancy with capacity, and with the ability to restore. It's called restore point operations or restore time operations, RTO and RPO. Those are two very important terms in any data center environment, in any cloud environment, because it means how much time does it take to restore operations, restore time operations? How long does it take? In that time, how much data loss do you expect during that RTO period? And then there's restore point. At what point can you restore from? Meaning there's a point in time where you lose data. How much data do you lose from that point forward until you hit RTO? And I can tell you that in an environment with billions of transactions, that number is significant. And I don't know in a, a banker in the world that would that would be okay losing that much information or consumers for that matter. That's the problem with cryptocurrencies. That's the problem with such a big endeavor. It has to be bulletproof before it's even it's even exposed to the public. So what do you do in lieu of that? What you do in lieu of that is you offer the public all of these digital pieces, digital IDs, 
digital identities, digital um, digital storehouses, et cetera. You offer them all the pieces before you roll out the currency, which is exactly what they're doing right now. Here in Arizona, they're trying to get everybody to sign up for digital, digital IDs. With your digital ID, you can do all your registration, everything else. You do it online. You don't even have to go to the office. You can just do it right there. See the carrot? They make it convenient for you to sign up for it, but they don't tell you that at a certain point they're going to make it mandatory once the right critical mass of people sign up for it. And then once you're in, you're in. Now, I'm already screwed because all of my digital identity is already with the military. I had a CAT card. I had I had a card reader everywhere I went. My digital identity, it was on certificates, were on my, my CAT card. All my identity is online. And with with IDME, which has been rolled out, I don't know, two, three years ago, my stuff was already there. I went to see if my identity was, was already set up, and it was. Just did a look up, and there I am. So the military folks, government folks, they're already in the system. At the state levels, though, that's where they want to get you. They want to get you into the state, not only the utilities, but in the state apparatus for the judicial system, the court system, the the uh, county registry, the housing registry, they want to tie all of those IDs together and then tie it to your health records at the Mayo Clinic that Google's developing right now. Then they got you. Then it's just a matter of them turning the switch for the currency and they tie it all together. And guess what? You're a fucking QR code. That's how they're doing the game. That's how they're playing it. And I, you know, I would love to say a lot of people can opt out, but they've already usurped a lot of people and they did it years ago by collecting all this information. The enemy is two to three years ahead of us. And they, they, they're two to three years ahead because they know how long it takes to legislate stuff and they plan ahead. They already know that it's going to take two to three years to resolve it. And by then they're off to the next thing. So we're always playing a game of catch up. Why all of this is important and why I'm bringing all of this up is for one simple reason. And that is when Ukraine falls, there's no backstop for the economy. There's no backstop for the dollar and there's no backstop for the government. Once the disclosures happen, because part of the peace plan, I guarantee you, part of this peace plan, if Zelensky is forced to sign a peace plan, you can bet your ass a part of it is disclosure of the labs publicly, disclosure of the activities in the labs publicly. They give up land and they build a buffer zone around Russia because Russia doesn't want NATO at its doorstep and NATO doesn't want Russia at its doorstep. So Ukraine will cease to exist. It will be a buffer country. Part of that deal will be disclosure of all the bio labs, all the human trafficking, the Nazi stuff, if that's real, et cetera, et cetera. That will be the death nail for the elites in Europe, the Russian oligarchs, the Ukrainian oligarchs, and the tech oligarchs here. It will be the death nail because you will see the associations between big pharma, the labs, money laundering activities, human trafficking, drug trafficking, weapons trafficking, all going to tie back to all these banks. And at first, people aren't going to believe it. But then when they start seeing the pictures, the genetic testing, and then the human trafficking, get away from the rape, torture, and all the other shit that's going on on the border, they're going to see what the elite have been doing, and that's going to, that's going to 
start to get people to wake up and realize that what they're seeing is real. Because there's going to be a lot of this disassociation because some of this is going to be graphic. And maybe I'm way off base. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm drinking the whole porn. But I see it differently because Russia already tried the UN route to disclose the biolabs. They're going to go a different route now because they have the receipts. Putin wants to destroy the Clintons. He wants to destroy the Obamas. He wants to destroy the Bidens. It's a personal deal now. And if he really has cancer and he's dying, he's got nothing to lose. And it does three things for his country. One, it gets rid of the crime families in the U.S. that have been causing problems across the globe. Two, it strengthens the position of Russia on the world stage. And three, and most importantly, it destroys the three petty people, three petty crime families that could potentially go go back into Russia after he dies and disrupt, disrupt the country after he dies. Remember, this is Mother Russia for him, so he's not about to give it up without a fight. And he's going to do what's best for his country and what's best for him. At this point, if he really does have cancer, he's going to do what's best for him. Or sorry, what's best for his country. He really does care for his country. Like, like you care for the U.S., like I care for the U.S., he cares about Russia. And I'm not going to fault the guy for that. Because I think that's where his priority should be, is on the Russian people. Just like Zelensky should be on the Ukrainian people. But he clearly doesn't give a shit about them. If you can just go look at any of the, the cemeteries that have popped up since the war started, and it should make your blood boil. Talk about a monumental waste of life. Monumental waste of... of and war is about waste. It's all waste. Which is why you hear guys like me that have actually been in a combat zone seeing actual combat, seeing people vaporized by bombs, seeing innocent people vaporized by bombs, saying that we don't want to see any more of it. We want it to stop. We want this We want this diplomacy through war to stop entirely. We want the crimes and the crime families and all of the, the human atrocities to stop because we've seen them firsthand. And we really do. You talk to any combat venture, and I'll tell you the same thing. You want to keep people alive? Don't go to war. And even Trump has said, you know, they, I love how they try and troll Trump. And they say to him, don't you just condemn what Russia's doing? He goes, no. I condemn war and death and innocent people dying. I want to stop the death. I don't care who's at fault. I want to stop the death. That that's a that's leadership right there. That's not choosing a side. That's not villainizing a side. That's looking at it for what it is. It's a waste of life. It's a waste of resources. It's a waste of equipment. Think about what all that equipment and, and that money could do for the rest of the world just in food production if we devoted this much money to food production. What a different planet it would be. War is a monumental waste of life and resources, and we need to get away from it if we're going to mature as a, as a species. And I've said that over and over and over again. But I'll say this. 
when all this is said and done, these people will be held to account and they will be held without justice, without mercy for the rest of their natural lives if they're not executed. That day is coming. That that seething anger is boiling to the surface. You're already starting to see it now against Chris Ray and the FBI. You're starting to see it against against the DOJ. And if the New York bankers are smart, which I think most of them are, especially the ones that have realized they're not going to get a seat at the table if the Davos crowd wins, they are going to force the Senate to do the right thing and impeach the FBI's directors, especially Chris Ray, and then defund the FBI, the IRS, and NSA, as well as the CIA, if they're smart. If not, then we're headed towards chaos. I think it's already coming anyway, to be perfectly honest. But I know this. I know that we are going, we have already won the fight, but we are going to have a fight in front of us, and that's to preserve our nation. And that fight will be kinetic, it will be information, and it will be spiritual all at the same time. And it's going to suck for a while, but I guarantee you that when we come out of this, we will be a stronger country. We will be a stronger people. And then we'll have to unwind all of this vaccine horseshit. We're going to have to figure out what it does. We're going to figure out what its purpose was. And then we're going to figure out how to unwind it. And then we're going to execute, execute every single fucking pharma executive, every single government employee, every single politician, every single hospital administrator, every single hospital executive, the AMA, and every licensing board person that coerced doctors into giving this shot are all going to prison or they're going to be executed for crimes against humanity. And I said one thing to the people of Washington State, which I am going to see through. Before this is over, I'm going to arrest Jay Inslee, his wife, and his daughter, and I'm going to escort them to Gitmo, and I will stay there until they stand trial for their crimes. That is going to happen before this is all over. These people are going to be held to account. This will not stand. And I say that because these people have routinely and on a sustained basis mocked God. You never mock God. And this will come back to bite them. You can already see they're, they're getting ready to throw Obama under the bus as the sacrificial lamb. The rhetoric's already in the mainstream media. It's starting to come out more and more and more. That's the elite trying to protect themselves by offering you off the sacrificial lamb. It's not going to work this time. As I've said before, and I'll say it again, this system is dying, and it's going to die, and it has to die. And we have to go through this to get to the next order of battle. Once we get through the next, once we get through this, and we're moving on to the next order of battle, it's very important for everybody to start thinking through what kind of a system they want to live in. What kind of a system do we want to govern this planet, to govern our nation? What does sovereignty look like? 
what does freedom look like? And most people have no idea what freedom even looks like. When we went to Iraq and we to, and we moved in the country and we we started educating them on what freedom really is and what public service really is, they were astonished. It's like saying, you know, we first went in there, we went, you're free. And they're like, well, what does that mean? And it's like saying, look sexy. What the hell does that even mean in the first place? It's the same thing. They didn't know what it meant. The point is this. Things are going to suck for a while. They're going to suck for everybody. Nobody's getting unscathed. Nobody's coming out of this unscathed. Everybody's going to get, everybody is going to get be affected by this. The point is, you got to put away the petty differences. You can't let people trigger you. You can't react when people trigger you because you're, you, everybody's feeling the same stress. Everybody's going through the same stress. It's just, it's manifesting differently in every single person. The thing to remember is the average American is on your side. You're going to have, you're going to have the host of the entitled shitheads, the, the liberal victims. I'm not talking about those people. They're, those people are not going to make it through this. Let's just call a spade a spade. I'm talking about the people that are prepared, people that are that are, you know, loyal to the country. Doesn't matter if they're liberal, Democrat, doesn't matter if they're Republican, doesn't matter. There are a number of people on both sides of the fence that are loyal to this country. Those people will show themselves. And when they do, the thing to remember is it's okay to disagree. It's literally okay to disagree. We have forgotten that, even in the truth movement. We've forgotten that in the patriot movement. And I, even today, I'm dealing with conflict across, across, you know, just in my team. That is, people get triggered. They, they go off the deep end, and we're off to the races. You can't let this stuff get under your skin. You have to pick and choose your battles. And the, the battles to choose are the ones that roll up to the big picture. Just because you're having an argument with somebody you don't like the way they're talking doesn't mean they're not on the same page as you. It just means they have a different view of the world. And people are going to stir up shit no matter what they do because everyone's frustrated. The point is, let that shit go. Pick the battles that matter. Stop screwing around with this petty nonsense. Because it's just a distraction. It takes resources and energy away from the bigger fight. The bigger fight right now is to unite the country, to find information, to disclose the activities of the elite. That's the mission. All this other bullshit, this pettiness, this infighting, this, this defending these stupid, these stupid theories, none of that stuff does anything to further awaken people or bring people together. All it does is divide, create conflict, and disrupt. And it's happened to just about everybody in my circle just in the last month. And it's because everybody's on edge. So the best thing you can do right now is go back to, I think it was on the 14th or 15th of last month when I talked about the most powerful tool we have is empathy. 
Part of empathy is actively listening. When it comes out of somebody else's mouth, it's about them. It's not about you. Remember that as people get stressed out. Have empathy for the fact that those people have lives too and they have shit going on in their lives. We all make assumptions based on our own biases of what people are saying via text. When you hear their voice and you talk to them, you hear the inflection, you hear the tone, and you hear the emotion. You don't get any of that with text conversations. All you get is black and white. And you use your own bias to interpret what's being said. And if you already have bias, guess what you do? You go right to the negative. Sometimes active listening and empathy go a hell of a lot farther than conflict. And right now is not the time for conflict. Right now, we need to unify and start preparing and be a unified front when all this stuff happens with communications, with coordination, with, with an incredible amount of preparedness and just synchronization is what we really need right now. All this other stuff is nonsense. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm tired of the petty bullshit. I'm tired of the dick-waving contests. I'm tired of the egos. I'm tired of all of it. I'm so tired of it, I don't even want to deal with it. Every time I see it, some kind of a squabble in a channel or in, in social media, I'm like, you, you're all missing the big picture. This is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. They want us to be infighting so we can't organize a defense. Right now, we need to be organizing a fucking defense. I don't know why that is such a big fucking concept for people to get. Put your petty shit aside and get in the fight. Check your fucking ego at the door and get ready to mount a fucking defense. The enemies in our country, what part of that did you miss? There's not a lot of calculus here. When they're importing 1,200% more Chinese fucking military-age males, why are you fighting with each other over something that was posted in a fucking channel? It's retarded. Get over yourselves. And this is across the board in social media. Every fucking platform, I see it every day. Now is not the time for that. Now is the time to mount a fucking defense. Get in the fight. Stop being scared. Stop being selfish. Check your ego and fucking be ready to put your differences aside and fight next to each other. That's how this has to go. You know, I'm going to end tonight. I think I'm going to end tonight with a little Stevie Wonder. I think it's time for some superstition. Because right now you can bet that the, the elite are scared shitless and they're they're going through a lot of superstitious shit right now. And this song totally, totally fits today. Yeah, I think I'm going to end with some superstition. We got to come together. Unity is the only way we survive. It's the hill we die on. Remember that before you go off half-cocked and start fighting each other. And look, we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. Everybody else is guilty of it. I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to everybody else. But now is not the time for internal conflict. Now is the time for people to check their egos at the door and get on board for the big win. Keep that in mind. God bless. One team, one fight.
Thank you.